The Chicago Bulls currently have one open roster spot remaining, which they're probably going to fill with a veteran minimum contract. We're going to talk about players that they could look at and target for that vet minimum spot. We're also going to talk about why the Bulls did decide on Ayo DeSumo over Javon Freeman Liberty, even though it wasn't really decided between the two, which we're going to talk about in that in that segment. And we're also going to dive into the mailbag. All that and more right after this. You are now tuned in to Chicago Bulls Central, your number one spot for all things Chicago Bulls, hosted by Hayes. What's going on, Bulls fans? Welcome to another episode of Chicago Bulls Central, your number one spot for everything Chicago Bulls related. I'm the host here, Hayes. But more importantly, you can follow the channel at Bulls Central Pod on every social media platform we happen to be on. But with that being said, let's go ahead and get into the content for today. So first up, we're going to talk about the Bulls' current uh, salary cap and roster situation. So the Bulls right now have one open roster spot. They have 13 guaranteed contracts, one partially guaranteed contract in Carly Jones, which they can come off his contract by as long as they waive him by October 16th with no recourse at all to free up an additional roster spot if needed. But the Bulls right now set at one open roster spot, which they do need to fill because they do have three players signed in two-way deals to get the most out of those uh, those three two-way contracts and have all three spots, they have to fill up their roster and go to the 15th man. So they're going to have to carry 15 players on the roster if they want to keep all 13, I mean, sorry, all three of their two-way contract players right now. So with that said, the Bulls have that last open veteran minimum spot. They also sit about $2 million, a little bit less than $2 million beneath the luxury tax. So that means that it's definitely probably, it's definitely going to be a veteran minimum. Now, you know, you know, depending on the, the how many years that players play, their vet minimum is a little bit higher, and there is a risk and a chance that the Bulls may go into the luxury tax just by signing a player at the vet minimum. That remains to be seen. We'll see if the Bulls do a little bit of, of trickery with the salary cap to avoid that, but ultimately, we know at least one more signing, possibly two, if Carly Jones is waived, coming to the team, and that is going to be a veteran minimum. Now, when you look at how things have gone for certain free agents, you have players like Christian Wood and Kelly Oubre Jr., who many people are expecting may end up having to settle for their veteran minimums considering the market for them. Now, I don't know if that's going to be the thing, especially for a young player like a Kelly Oubre Jr., but when you look at if the Bulls were able to add either one of those players at a veteran minimum, regardless of the flaws of those players, which they both have plenty, that's still a quite a value contract for what you could potentially get, especially when you look at a Christian Wood and what he could bring scoring-wise off the bench. And no, I know some Bulls fans are going to say, he will be the starting power. No, Christian Wood's not going to be the starting power for it, not as long as you start Nick Lavusevich at center. So with that said, you could potentially really bolster the scoring from your bench potentially with those signings. Now, we know Billy Donovan typically doesn't go more than nine or ten deep. We pretty much have our nine-man roster kind of figured out with players like Dalen Terry, Io DeSumo, really trying to figure out how they fit in other than that. So bringing in a Christian Wood or a Kelly Oubre Jr. at the vet minimum, while it is a great value contract, it can really muddy up kind of that rotation a little bit more, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, especially when you look at bringing in competition to training camp. It, it couldn't be a bad thing. But what I think is more than likely when you look at it is players like a Rudy Gay. You heard the Bulls' interest in Rudy Gay, a player that is only a vet minimum signing isn't really going to offer a lot to the roster. But again, when you look at the 15th man off the bench, you typically don't go that deep anyway. So Rudy Gay, why he's a veteran that could slide in if needed injuries, things like that. You expect him to be able to pick up the system easily. It kind of makes sense. But you guys know, I've also been beating the drum of players that we already have on a roster that we had on a roster that are currently still unrestricted free agents as well. Derek Jones Jr., Javante Green absolutely could end up filling that spot as well. 
they could be waiting to see what happens with the Dame Lillard trade and things like that and try to sign for a team at the vet minimum that way, which these other players could as well. But ultimately, I do think that one of DJJ or Javante Green is probably a high, a likely scenario in that case, especially a player like DJJ, who's always been ready, always found a way to contribute in a role, no matter how inconsistent his role has been for the Chicago Bulls at time. And Javante, considering the injury, and I know a lot of you guys as well have said, well, isn't Javante now redundant? Keep in mind, this is the end of the bench spot. With Javante's injury, he may very well want to take guarantee money, not have to move cities at all. And stay there and see, you know, if you can rehab and maybe go back to free agency the year afterwards. So those are kind of the options that the Bulls are looking for at that veteran minimum spot. Again, not anything that's kind of world beaters. But again, if you look at Kelly Oubre Jr. or Christian Wood, the closer you get to training camp, those guys are probably going to want to sign for what they can so they can get an invite to a training camp and maybe even wow some some GMs. So, you know, those are the options really for the Chicago Bulls. There are outside options as well, like a Jermichael Green. There are players like that that also are out there that kind of fit more of a potential need for the Chicago Bulls. But ultimately, like I said, 15th man off the bench, it, it doesn't really you're not expecting that player to play a, a huge load of minutes for the Chicago Bulls over the course of the season if things have maintained to what they've been for Billy Donovan. Hell, you got players that are, are the are the 11th, 12th man off your bench on your bench that aren't going to play a lot either in Billy Donovan's system. So just keep look out as soon as something does, you know, shake for the Chicago Bulls or is announced. You guys know I have a video out shortly thereafter. But let's get into the next topic for today. And that is Iodasumu, which many Bulls fans are looking at this as the Bulls chose Iodasumu over Javon Freeman Liberty, which isn't really what they did. Let's be clear. Javon Freeman Liberty was not going to get a main roster spot. He just wasn't. And he and and he as much as Javon Freeman Liberty did show and wowed offensively. He absolutely wowed offensively, and you can't take that away. He is not nearly the defensive player that Iodasumu even was. In his worst season, on his worst game, he's just not that. When you look at Javon Freeman Liberty, a defensive rating average of 119, that would be astronomically low. That would be one of the lowest in NBA history. And considering the 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 G League and Summer League competition is a lot less than what you get at the NBA level, Javon Freeman Liberty does not did not offer a more ready prospect for NBA basketball than Io DeSumo. He just didn't. And when you look at the, the, still the upside that Io has at the at the NBA level, that defensive monster that he can be, and the, considering the fact that the Bulls have not put him in the best situation for himself offensively, when you look at how they've tried to make him operate, be that three-point shooter, things like that, trying to fill in for Lonzo Ball. And overall, you also have to plug in the fact that the Bulls have not been a good development team for the, the majority of the, for all the time that the Io DeSumo's been here. They now have a head of player development, and they may want to see what, Io looks like working with that head of player development over the next couple of years. And you can't you can't knock them for that, right? They they added went out, added something that they've needed to this roster and to help the development of players that they've drafted and brought in for years, right? And now that they have that head of player development, players that have already showed some promise for them, they very well want to take a look at that. Now, some people also have pointed out that it was an overpay for Io to Sumo at $7 million. And by that I will say you're right and wrong. Is it an overpay according to what we think the market was for Iota Sumo? Yeah. But when you look at the fact that he's your own free agent, A, you, you couldn't sign him for less than the qualifying offer anyway. His qualifying offer was a little bit over. It was $5.2 million. He's still getting paid less than the mid-level exception. And as the salary cap rises, Iota Sumo's salary does not rise. It was still a very solid deal for the Chicago Bulls and a very movable deal. And one of the things as well that I have pointed out that I do think the Bulls are setting themselves up to be in better position if a trade presents itself to where they don't have to trade 
a lot of their major pieces to make a deal happen. That's what we've seen a lot of the teams do that have cores they want to stick and keep together, but also have teams and other and other teams that are trying to shop players that could add to that core. Before, if the Chicago Bulls wanted to match a salary that was anything over seven to eight million dollars, they would have had to include any combination of of Alice Caruso, Demar, Zach, Vooch, like, and they and ultimately whether right or wrong, whether we agree or disagree, this front office did not want to do that. And that's where the Bulls sit right now. And overall, the, the lack of development, I do think, points positively to Iota Sumu, who still has tons of upside, and we'll see if he ends up bringing it. But if he does not, the fact of the matter is, it's a $7 million deal, not one, and that's average, right? The first year is probably going to start off at about $6.5 million, maybe even a little bit less than that. So again, not a terrible deal by any stretch of the imagination, even though some Bulls fans would have you think that. But that is kind of the thinking and thought process that I see that, that went into that. But okay, let's get into the mailbag for today. We have one text message, two voicemails, three voicemails, actually. Wow, we got three voicemails. All right, let's get into this first one. This is a text message. This one's from Didi, and she says this. Well, she, he, not sure. Didi, I assume that's a woman, but I don't want to misgender anybody. But this, what up, Hayes? This is Didi. Love your work. Listen to you several times a day, every day. But catching your vids after IO resigned and JFL signed with Toronto and wondered your thoughts on if those could have been related. Only IO rumor was with the Toronto with Toronto, then they turn and get a guard. We spent time developing in our system. Do you think that could have been a handshake deal between AK and Ujiri? Um, just think it's strange by reports the Bulls didn't even give a two-way offer to JFL. And and the same with the Raptors. If interested, never put an offer out for IO for the Bulls to match. Conspiracy theory, I admit. But let me know your thoughts. Here's what I think. I think that the, the Toronto Raptors could have very well looked at it and said, listen, we're interested in Ayo Sumu, but they do resign this Ayo Sumu kid. Hey, there's a hell of a point guard prospect in Javon Freeman Liberty sitting there as well that we can go after. I don't know if it was a handshake deal or anything like that because that just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't really benefit anybody. Um, so ultimately, I think this. I do think that that once it was signal, once the Bulls re-signed Ayo Sumu, and also keep in mind, before the Iota Sumo resign deal, the Bulls locked in their third two-way contract and Ernolop Bitum. So I think that that was more the thing. The Toronto Raptors saw that the Bulls signed Bitum to their last two-way contract and said, bet, this is our time to go after JFL. Clearly, the Bulls aren't going to be making an offer. And I think that's what happened more likely than it have anything to do with Iota Sumo. But I could very well be wrong. It's not anything that I'm saying that I'm ultimately right. I do. Listen, I'm a conspiracy theorist, too. There are a lot of conspiracy theories that are absolutely true around the NBA. We just haven't heard about them yet. All right, let's go ahead and get into this voicemail. The first voicemail, this one's from Oscar. Hey, hey it's Oscar here, man. What's up? Uh, finally got caught up on some of the episodes. Uh, the bit, uh, bit some signing. That, yo, that kid is 6'6", six, six, and, and we're talking about his shooting and, you know, and all this other stuff. Yo, this kid can jump out the gym. Like, like this ain't one of the... One of these Euro players is going to come and it's slow-footed. This kid got legitimate, like, NBA athleticism to, to, to play. So I'm excited to see where, where he goes. Um, the I.O. signing, like I said, we, we, we're keeping our I.O. I still have hopes for I.O. I think he, he's going to get back this year to doing what he does. Uh, but I have a question for you. I feel like, like not just you, but other other Chicago Bulls podcasts, CHDO, all these guys, uh, harp on the, the improvements of Kobe White. And, and the ascension of Kobe White, and I, I feel like I feel like you guys are overselling his ascension because he's finally got it around his head that he needs to play some kind of defense and, and can't be a, a turnstile on the defensive end. So he's made a little bit of effort, but this notion that Kobe White is some ascending player in the NBA 
if he was any type of ascending player, I feel like more teams would have been. Experience the thrill of March Madness. If you're still out on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with my bookie. Enter the bracket contest for a chance to take home prizes up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, my bookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim the code Bull Central, but the fun doesn't stop there. Get up to the minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about my bookie, you can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use the promo code Bull Central to secure your limited time welcome bonus today. For his services, and the Bulls would have to overpay to get him. You know, I feel like, and this is my this is my take, and then I want to know what you think. I feel like the Bulls saw Larry Marketing leave Chicago, go to Utah, and turn himself into an All Star. But what people forget is that Larry Marketing, while in the Chicago Bulls, I I, I don't know how people forget Larry Marketing. January, uh, February, Larry Marketing every year. This dude would go on a tear. January, February, averaging twenty five plus points. Killing the league, torching the league, and everybody be like, "Yo, this kid is is real." Like putting putting it all together and putting it out there and showing that, "Hey, I'm a legitimate NBA player." Like Kobe White and and in that case, Patrick Williams hasn't. They haven't been able to put two weeks, I think, of that legitimate. Like, yo, this kid belongs here. Like this kid is a monster on tape to really validate the guy, the Bulls fans or the front office feeling like, "Damn, I don't want this kid to leave because if he goes somewhere else." He's gonna blossom into this. I, I I still haven't seen that potential on the on a basketball court to feel like, hey, if these guys leave, we're gonna miss out on something. I feel like the Bulls are suffering from Laurie, you know, uh, from the Laurie effect, and they feel like, oh my God, we 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 gotta hold on to these guys. What happened? Shout out to my little brother Oscar. I don't even know if Oscar's older or younger than me. I'm just assuming Oscar's my little brother. That's my dude. He calls in all the time, but he says this Bulls, um. Bidham signing a plus. I agree. I think Bidham has huge upside, NBA overall upside. And I honestly think the only way he's, pro- he's po- probably on a two-way deal is they just want to see how the, how he acclimates to the, to the NBA three-point shooting line, right? How does he acclimate to some of the speed in the NBA? He played in the second-best league to the NBA. So, you know, that upside is there. It's it's positive, right, both defensively and offensively. While not in, by any stretch of the imagination a lockdown defender, he is an active defender that does not back down. His shooting, if that shooting holds true to the NBA three-point shooting line, even if it drops off, he averaged on seven three-pointers per game, 40% shooting from three. Even if coming out a little bit further, that drops down. Let's say he knocks off three to 5%. That would still put him at an extremely positive three-point shooter, and I don't think it's going to drop off that much. When you go and look at some of the places he took three-point shots from, it's almost kind of like he was preparing for the NBA because he's not right on that line either. So I think he's going to do fine shooting at that NBA three-point line. And I think as he shows that he's acclimating to that part, he's definitely going to be on the Bulls' main roster sooner rather than later. As far as Io having a bounce back year, completely agree with you. I think he's going to be motivated. Um, and I think he's going to you know, want to live up to that contract and in his city, right? Now, as far as Kobe White's development being overstated, no. And here's what I'll say on that. There was a stretch, not even this past season, last season, where the Bulls won nine games in a row. Three of those games were won by Kobe White's defense. Yes, Kobe White does not show. You compare it to Laurie Marketing, you went on this whole long thing with Laurie. Laurie showed that offensively. And, and yes, Kobe has not shown that flashes offensively, neither has Patrick Williams. 
Patrick Williams was the least scored on player in the NBA last season, right? That's not flashy. That's not something that you notice. It's not something that you will notice until that stat comes along. So I don't think that you can take Laurie showing flashes offensively because Laurie was absolute dog shit defensively and say that that means that these guys haven't shown anything. Kobe White absolutely changed the pace of games by his defense, playmaking, and how intelligent of a basketball player he came. If you're completely underselling it to say, oh, he just decided to show effort defensively. No, that's not what it was. It was so much more than that. He understood things defensively and what teams were doing and reading. And that is what I think a lot of people underrate is the defense. And I understand it. It's an easy thing to underrate with most scenarios. But Kobe White's defense is nothing to just overlook as, oh, he just gave more effort. No, he showed way more intelligence than that. And a matter of fact, even in his 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 uh, dribbling ability, his ability to get to the rim, just his understanding how to make better passes. Kobe White showed and improved in a lot of areas that absolutely impacted the Bulls winning games last season. There's a reason why the Bulls were on pace to beat the Miami Heat with Kobe White and Andre Drummond in that game, in the playing tournament. The moment they got taken out, it changed some things. Those are things that benefit, and that is why Kobe White is absolutely on the ascension. Is he on the ascension to be a superstar? No, that's not what we said. He's not paid like one either. He's paid like a solid bench player that has that upside and that potential, and that's the way that I personally see it. I know some people share your opinion on it as well. We'll see where it ends up shaking out and if Kobe White continues to ascend like he showed some flashes of last season. All right, let's get into this next voicemail. This one's from Reg. Hey, hey, this is Reginald from uh, Columbus, Georgia. I got two questions for you. Uh, one, if you had a choice, uh, would you have signed Javon Liberty Freeman to the main roster in order to keep him? And my second question is, who was a worst owner, in your opinion? Uh, Snyder with Washington or Michael Jordan with Bobcat? Would I have signed JFL? Yes, and only by the nature of this. You have Carly Jones, who I don't see Carly Jones as an NBA prospect at all. And not to say that, that, that Javon Freeman Liberty is this huge, higher prospect, NBA prospect that than Carly Jones, but I do think this. He has more traditional size. Yes, he has dif- defensive limitations and ability, but at the bare minimum, you can kind of see, Jay, I would have absolutely waived Carly Jones, and I would have signed Javon Freeman Liberty. That's what I personally would have done. That's what I would have done. At the end of the day, he's still your fifth, sixth guard off the bench. Probably not going to you're not going to see the floor much, but you can you can guide his development, right? May not see the floor a lot this year, but working with the Bulls player development coach and that shooting coach and, you know, being in practice with these players, he could turn into something for you next year, right? That's what I would have done, absolutely. Now, as far as your second question, who's the worst owner, Snyder or MJ? MJ by far. Like, the Hornets are one of the worst-run organizations in sports, not just basketball, in sports, period. That's my opinion on that. All right, let's get into this last voicemail. This one's from Mark. Hey, what's up? Hey, this is Mark. Uh, I just wanted to call in, just chime in on my thoughts on what the Bulls did this offseason. Um, let's be real. The Bulls, they did what they could. They they did what they did, the smart moves, the 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 moves to help the team be the basically the same way it was last year. Um, the way that the Bulls play, I understand that we talk about the, the, the wins that we could have won or the games that we could have had that won. But let's be real. Let's be real, bro. These these bulls, bro. Like when it comes to the the East, these bulls not putting up a fight, bro. These they not putting up a fight. If you look at the landscape around the Eastern Conference and you compare that with the team that we got, it's so much more complete teams out there than the Chicago Bulls. The Bulls they really missed the mark on trading one of those top three, one of those uh, big three players. Me preferably, I wanted us to trade Demar Derozan because. 
I just feel like what he brings to this Bulls team is not it's not complimenting the other players. I'm not saying he's a good player at all. Like I, I actually like him as a player, but the style of play that he plays does not complement the other players on the floor. He takes the ball away from the Zach Levines and the the Vucevic. He takes the ball from them because he's so heavily iso. And when you take away his scoring, let's be real. He, what else does he bring to this team on the, both sides of the floor when you take away his scoring? I know he's able to play make. He's able to pass the ball. He's a good leader. He's a good voice. But what does he do to complement the other players on the floor when you take away his scoring? To make Zach Levine and Vucevic and Patrick Williams and our now newly acquired uh, Javon Carter, because I believe Javon Carter would be the starter point guard. When you take away him from those those other four players, what can he do to impact the game? Nothing. He can't do anything else besides score, be a leader, pass the ball. He can't stick defense. Zach Levine, in order for Zach Levine to excel, he needs a player next to him on the wing that can guard those players, guard those best players. I know we put a lot of responsibility on Patrick Williams and what Patrick Williams does. But let's be real. It's been four years. We're going into year four, and we're still trying to figure out, can Patrick Williams be aggressive? I don't want to hear nothing else about Patrick Williams developing. DeMar DeRozan got to go. We need a 3-and-D player next to Zach Levine and Patrick Williams for this team to be good. And the way that this team is set up, we have the time. I got to disagree with you, Marcus. I, I think the Bulls absolutely could put Hell, we put up a fight so often. I know you said that you, you did quote it, but, like, we beat some of the better teams in the NBA last season consistently it wasn't just a flash in the pan consistently and then when you add in the number of games that we lost to simple math due to three-point shooting I do think the Bulls are going to put up more of a fight than people expect I think a lot of Bulls fans are underrating this because we did not get the names but I think one of the harder things to kind of quantify is the fact of how fit how fit matters with a team that's built like the Chicago Bulls and them and the players that we brought in that bring a skill set that we absolutely need on top of not being slouches defensively I think it's going to pay off bigger than what a lot of Bulls fans are expecting and giving the Bulls credit for. Again, personal opinion. As far as trading DeMar DeRozan, I've been back and forth. You guys know I'm all for trading DeMar. I do think that DeMar slows the game down. I do think that you can make your 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 offense even more modern by coming off a player like DeMar and getting in a, a 3 and D type player. I do think that that can help better your offense overall. But let's not act like DeMar is just like DeMar, yes. What does he offer outside of scoring? Okay. But let's not underrate the fact of, how good of a momentum scorer he is, how his ability to get to the line, right? How his ability to, when the Bulls don't have anything going, he's going to be able to put points on the board because he can get to the free throw line. And let's also take in mind too, you, you pointed out DeMar, how he doesn't make players better and things like that. The difference in San Antonio Spurs DeMar and Chicago Bulls DeMar is, is way different. Like DeMar was facilitating for players that are way worse than what we have on the Chicago Bulls. You know what that points to? Coaching. That's why I, I say, as much as I do have issues with DeMar, as far as kind of the, the lack of like a modern style of game, I still, it still goes back to coaching. Because I think if we had a more solid coach that, that held players accountable and had more of a system, an actual system, that we would see that DeMar that facilitated. We'll see that DeMar that kind of paced his game out and allowed other players to shine more. We don't see that DeMar here. We see the DeMar that's able and given the green light to dribble the hell out of the ball, pump fake 15,000 times. And that, while that has worked at times for the Bulls, it also has hurt the Bulls at times. And I go to coaching when it comes to that because DeMar was a completely different player when it came to facilitating and setting up, like I said, 
way lesser players than what he now plays with on the Chicago Bulls than what he was on the San Antonio Spurs. So I'll look at coaching in a case like that. That's just my personal opinion. You guys can let me know what you think, as always, down below if you're on the YouTube side. But that's my time for today. Make sure you guys are following the show at Bull Central Pod. You can send us any feedback, questions, comments, concerns. BullCentralPod at gmail.com. Lastly, you can leave a text message and our voicemail. The number to do so, 773-270-2799. We are the number one spot for everything Chicago Bulls related because of you guys. And like I liked in every episode on. Go Bulls. Love you guys. See red if you can, y'all. Peace. This has been a presentation of the Break Break Media. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.